0: Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds, KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have Justin Snyder. He is the filmmaker, and I believe you wrote,
1: directed, and also starred in Oh yeah. <laughs> Path of the Beast. Yes, sir. Thank you, Gary. Hey, first of all, I want to start off uh I your podcast is awesome. Uh thank you it. know, w- when you uh reached out to me, I was like, "Oh, I have to go check this out and see what this is all about." I love the the broad uh spectrum of topics you guys cover. It's it's awesome.
0: Oh, thank you so much, you know. Yes, um so, yeah, so I mean, if
1: you're listening right now, real quick, you need to go and give Everything Imaginable a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. I, I use the Apple podcast, and that's where I got you guys from. So. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, so,
0: so let's hear about this movie. Like, First of all,
1: is this your first movie? No. So I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit. I'm, I'm, I haven't gone too far in all of your podcasts, so I'm not sure if you've covered this topic yet or not. But have you ever heard of The Black Eyed Children?
2: yes i have
1: awesome have you covered it on any of your uh, episodes yet i have not awesome so we're gonna start this off with the black-eyed children uh so back in 2015 i was actually a, a student at george mason university so I was still in uh, in uh college there and uh i started you know getting into acting meeting friends and i was like i really wanted to do a feature-length uh horror film right uh not to you know make money or anything like that i just wanted to make a Prove to myself that I can make a feature-length film, so I was, you know, digging around looking for something to cover, and a, a friend of mine uh, introduced me to the the black-eyed children uh, topic. And essentially, if you've never heard of the black-eyed children, the concept is uh, usually you're home alone, and you hear a knocking at the door. You go to the answer to the door, and there's a kid there, and you know. You don't think anything of it but the kid will have some kind of weird request trying to get inside your home they might ask you for a glass of water or to use your phone something weird like that and your initial fault is okay there's a kid maybe something's wrong you know something's going on here but when you look down you realize there's something wrong with this kid their eyes are completely black or void right oh. and usually what happens people will get so scared they just shut the door they'll look at the door and the kid will be gone oh yeah okay, so Screw what was that kids. about <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I was like, Oh, that's such a great premise for a horror film, so uh I you know influenced by um um uh, shoot what I trying to say here influenced by um oh man, what's the found footage uh film that I'm thinking of right here? Well, uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but anyways, uh I wanted to do a, a found footage um uh, uh, style kind of horror film because at the time, like I said, I was in college and that seemed like the easiest thing to do. So I went around learning as much as I can about the Black Eyed Children phenomena. Um, if anybody's really interested in that, I uh, will tell you. Go to David Weatherly, uh, his website, and you can buy the Black Eyed Children or Black Eyed Kids uh, book that he has. And basically, it covers the very first stories that you started hearing about the Black Eyed Kids and his theories about what they can be because they fit a broad spectrum of things. You know, some people theorize that they're kind of human alien hybrids. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people theorize they're kind of like demonic and they have some kind of um, evil thing that they, they have going on with them. And then some people just think that uh, they're kind of like vampires because the whole, mm-hmm. they can't come into the house unless you invite them into the house, which is really weird. I'm thinking clones. That's possible. That's what some of the people are, are thinking that it's, their human DNA that some alien mate took from them and this is their child coming to visit them. But everyone that sees them has that, uh, you know, like your first, your guards are kind of down, but y- you know, something's wrong before you even realize something's wrong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so definitely, if, if, like I say, if anybody's interested in that subject matter, go to the David Weatherly's website, don't buy it on Amazon because you'll pay like 50 bucks for the book. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just, yeah. people, overpriced it. it where I think on his website, it's only like 20 bucks. Um, but it's, it's really good book. I recommend it. So uh, right. it's kind of funny uh, at the time. So I had a, uh, a friend, I used his sister and I used my sister. who was eight years old at the, at the time that we were filming this and they played my black, black eyed children. And uh, it's funny. If you Google black eyed kids or black eyed children on the internet, You'll see the picture that I used of my sister all over the internet uh, from the movie itself, and uh, so she, she thinks she's like a little celebrity now because of that. Oh, that's her. Yeah. If you Google uh, "Black Hat shouldn't let me in," that's my 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 sister. Yeah, in, uh, I just that's the name. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But people take it and they'll use it on their like podcasts or or YouTube uh, videos and stuff like that. So she's all over the uh, the internet right now with that.
0: That is so cool.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. But, uh, going back to the, the, the subject itself. Um, so this is kind of a cool story I share with people. Uh, when I was writing the script one night, um, the place I was living at, right. Uh, I was renting a basement um, from an older couple and they would always go on like vacations and stuff. So I'd get the place to myself often. And, uh, one night I'm just home alone, sitting there typing away on my little laptop, writing the script, getting this thing all ready. And then I heard, uh, in the basement that I was staying in, they had like the little uh, windows that you can kind of, you know, like the little rectangle windows. Yeah. Like um, sitting there just tapping away. And I, and I heard just a rhythmic like tap, 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 tap on one of the windows. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Cause I was like, okay, is it just like a bug or something or something like that? Just hitting the window. So I decided like to take a, just a moment to put right in the script. Cause I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Stop for a while. And then, Later on that night, I was like, okay, let me get back to it. Then I hear that tap, tap, tap again, and it freaked me out. like a little kid. (laughs) I just put my computer away and put my head underneath the cover saying, okay, that's enough.
0: Right. That was the same thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it was actually something I incorporated in my script. And if you talk to a lot of these guys that do these podcasts or a lot of people that look into this, the more you push these types of things, the more likely you're going to have an encounter from something like this.
0: It's easier to find something if you're looking for it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think it's kind of like the whole uh, the da- demonic possession kind of thing. You, you almost have to invite it in. You have to give it an invitation for it to be able to, like, it's weird, these rules that they have to follow. But it's like you have to give it an invitation for it to take place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a friend, actually, who's a Catholic priest, and he uh, has uh, done, actually done an
1: exorcism oh wow yeah
0: it's pretty weird
1: wow Oh, i I bet that was like it's probably not what everyone thinks like when they see the the movies and stuff like that but still it's probably some of it's probably uh more stranger than fiction yeah yeah i mean he really won't talk like about the details of it
0: but the one thing he always says like because he knows i do this podcast about paranormal and stuff he's like just gotta be careful what you invite in (laughs)
1: definitely one night you're going to be home alone you're going to hear something be like okay what was that
0: (laughs) yeah i'm not too worried about it i used to be a paranormal
1: investigator when i lived in new jersey so i used to go
0: looking for these kind of things
1: did you ever do anything any kind of like meditation or anything to put positivity in the situation
0: no i've never done that like as some of the paranormal places we went to, we brought psychics and we did seances um, that try to make contact with different spirits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, it's hard to tell the information what, that the psychics give you, whether it's accurate or not, without having any way of verifying it. So yeah. when you're there and the psychics give you all this information, and then even afterwards, like you try to research a lot of it, there's no way of verifying. Um, So I tend to actually like to work in situations where you kind of know what you're looking for and you have some method to verify what it is.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about psychics. Um, I guess some of it could be legit. um, But I I agree with, with uh, how you approach things. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So back to the black eyed children. Yes, yeah, so I, I made this movie back in 2015. I, I got a distribution deal, so it went on all the platforms, the, the uh, video-on-demand platforms you can think of. It even got pitched to Netflix, but Netflix didn't pick it up back then. Um, but So I made a little bit of money off of it, not a whole lot. Is it um, still
0: out there? Is it like going on oh, oh, yes, Amazon uh,
1: Prime you, or anything? Yes, sir. If you go to Amazon Prime, uh, type in Black Eyed Shirt and let me in, it's up there uh it was made on a really low budget so it's not really the best film out there but uh if if you're interested in the subject i try to make it more like a documentary to kind of inform people because i was like well somebody watching this might not know what they're like uh, what these things are so i was trying to make it like informative but have some creepy stuff kind of go on as uh, the movie progresses and you know it's my first feature i was proud of it so yeah Definitely. But the, the money I made from this one, I've been putting into this uh, second film that I'm working on. It's called uh, Bigfoot Path of the Beast. And uh, it's a narrative uh, uh, narrative fiction uh, feature film. And uh, basically, I was inspired by the missing 411 stories. And have you covered, Gary, any of the missing 411s? I haven't. Um, I've oh, watched some shows on them, though.
0: And I find it interesting. I know I mean, somebody's missing person cases. You know whether they were taken by Bigfoot, abducted by aliens. There's so many possibilities. That what could have happened, especially when there's no body
1: found? Definitely. And, and just to fill in some of your um, uh, viewers that might not know what the Missing 411 is, it's basically there's this uh, ex police officer. Um, I think he was used to be a detective, and his name is David Pilates, and he wrote a series of books about uh, people that go missing in our national parks and forests, and. He has a certain criteria that these missing people have to meet. Uh, They have to be like in good shape. They can be like not somebody with like dementia because you can kind of explain that away. It's Mm -hmm. usually people that are healthy, people that got missing around water. And then uh, people who are found um, or or places are searched. They weren't there and then they are searched again. And then all of a sudden they're found. Uh, Their clothing will be missing off them or their clothes would be folded in an area. Uh, Just... Some really creepy stories. And there's actually two documentaries out right now. I think they're both on Prime uh, for anybody who wants to check them out. There's Missing 401 and there's Missing 411, The Haunted. And The Haunted actually has a nice little section in there with Ron Moorhead, who you just recently had. Uh, on your podcast which was a really good episode by the yeah. way yeah <laughs> on is the man I, I the guy is awesome i love um, him
0: i absolutely he, love him from the time I, th- I talked to him on the phone before the show and right man i just connected
1: with him right away he's so nice and he's so into sharing the information and, and getting it out there uh, i think he's just he does a good service uh to people like us yes he does Definitely. But he actually uh, let me use some of the Sierra sounds into the uh, the Bigfoot Path of Beast movie. Oh, so really uh, cool. Yeah, I emailed him and he was so cool about it. He's like, yeah, let me see what you got. And then he goes, yep, go for it. So I uh, really appreciate that. But anyways, the the missing 401, yeah, it's just people that go missing in like really weird circumstances. And like I said, most of them are in national or uh, national parks or uh, forests, right? And I said, well, what happens if Bigfoot's responsible for these people who are going missing. Um, so that's where Bigfoot path, of the beast comes in, uh, where our character kind of thinks that Bigfoot's responsible for, uh, his wife that goes missing on one of these, uh, hiking, uh, camping trips. And, uh, in his, um, uh, uh, thought process is the only way people are going to believe my story or believe that this is legit is if I go out and I kill one of these things. Um, but the story gets more complicated than that because uh, in my head, as a uh, Bigfoot enthusiast, I'm like, the only way you're going to prove if one of these exists is if you uh, if you can produce a body.
2: Right. But,
1: uh, but I was back then after making the film and after learning more about Bigfoot, I'm, I'm not even sure what Bigfoot is. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, when I was making the film, the concept that kind of went off of was that it's just a it's a type of human that's really good at just staying away from other people. And um, yeah, but uh, after, after looking more into it, my, my viewpoints kind of changed.
0: Yeah. I've checked t- my mind too. Also, especially after actually talking to Ron. Yes. You know, cause, cause I mean, he legitimately opens up, you know, some uh, other theories and I think there is, you know, some possibilities there.
1: So, so Ron, he he's great, and um, you know, it, going from like a skeptic point of view, I'm I'm thinking like, okay, Ron, he maybe he's making money off the the CDs that he sells, of the the sounds and stuff like that. But there's one person in particular that I think has a lot to lose, and he came out and he said some really strange things that really hit home with me, and it's Les Stroud from um, Survivor Man. Uh, okay. Yeah. after he did this Survivor Man Bigfoot episode. Uh-huh, he, I remember that. He came out on a podcast, uh, Sasquatch Chronicles, great podcast. Um, and he says there's some stuff that he didn't tell the producers that happened. He's like he was too afraid to say anything because he was afraid that, you know, they wouldn't continue on with the show. But one of the first nights when he was out there, he experienced what he thinks is mind speak, basically Bigfoot uh, telepathically communicating with him and you know Les has a lot to lose by coming out and saying that um, yeah. in my opinion because um, even after he did the first uh, that one season of uh, uh, the Bigfoot uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot they didn't continue on with it and you know he will even say it's, it's the producers who decide whether or not a show continues on they didn't want to go that route with Survivor Man they wanted to keep it like it was before so that's why you never got a second season of, of Survivor Man Bigfoot I didn't know that yeah but yeah he came out and said that and it's so for me it was like oh okay but he didn't you know he doesn't he it felt like he he still thinks there come some kind of animal or like humanoid uh not so much he didn't go into like the aliens or stuff like that but he says he thinks maybe it's something that has an ability to do that and like i said for for me it's like he's the person that can lose the most by coming out and saying these things you know
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, because he's, I mean, he's, he's credible, you know, his whole career is based on that credibility.
1: Oh, yes. And, and if you watch that, that's sh- the survivor Man Bigfoot. I mean, he was uh, so good about like not uh, making sure that he's not like um, uh tiptoeing down the line very safely he didn't go on one side or the other side he was skeptic about things he should be accepted about and then you know things that were happening that he was interested in and said okay there's a possibility there um i thought it was just a great season
0: yeah definitely when you talk about the tough like sometimes i wonder you know i was taught i forgot who i interviewed but he was telling me that um Oh, oh, it was this guy, Tom Seawood. He was an Indian guy from Vancouver. And he was telling me that there's Bigfoots, which are are basically wild humans that just, you know, said forget about society. And then he said there was this other type of creature. I forget it was, I think he called it like a waka waka.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's what his tribe called it. And that was like more of like a spirit, interdimensional type of me, be and he said that sometimes people would get those two confused
1: yeah well that's a possibility for me yeah um, I think if you're religious I think it can fall into the whole Nephilim realm of things and um, you know uh, the the, where I'm at right now with my belief system and everything going on um, I feel like the uh, interdimensional uh, things hold some weight and I feel like if this thing is a Nephilim, these Bigfoot, that I think they are able to go in and out of uh, these interdimensions. And I think these in- interdimensions are what in the Bible is like heaven or hell, you know? Um, yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah. Yeah, it is definitely possible. Um, so one of the things I was watching about the trailer and, um, is that the character, I guess, you play him. Seems to be a little bit more complex and has some other issues. Oh yeah. Uh, like 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 you added like uh you know, more dimension to your character than just some guy, you know, losing his woman in the woods. Yeah. Like he has some like other issues with alcoholism and mental issues that he was also wrestling with while trying to hunt down his Bigfoot.
1: Oh yeah. So, you know, w- when you get on Amazon, you look up Bigfoot to, to watch Bigfoot movies. There's a ton on, on, of them on there, but they're not all – some of them are really cheesy or, or low-budget, and they come off cheesy. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to give the character some, some weight. Um, and I also wanted to toy with the whole concept was, okay, is Bigfoot really out there? Or did this guy experience something that was so, like, horrible to him or he feels so guilty about losing her? that he's just making this stuff up in his head that really that uh, Bigfoot doesn't exist. And I really toyed with it because, you know, uh, not giving up too, spo- any, like, too many spoilers, the only person that sees Bigfoot in this movie is the main character, John. Um, nobody else really sees it. So it's kind of like, okay, is it in John's head or is Bigfoot real, you know? That's the other question
0: that sometimes I wonder too is, Maybe only certain
1: people who are open to seeing Bigfoot see Bigfoot. Which is funny that you say that. Um, I just recently debuted the film uh, on DVD at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in July. Uh, I finished the film in June, got DVDs made, booked it down to Tennessee, and uh, premiered the, uh, the film there. Uh, uh, but uh, while I was down there, I ran into a lady and – I talk to everyone that comes by my booth, uh, and uh, she started sharing her story, and I I realized if you're familiar with Todd Standing, buddy, any chance? No. Oh, you don't know who Todd Standing is?
0: Not off the top of my head.
1: Oh, okay, cool. That's fine. Uh, He's uh, there's some pictures floating around. Um, He's very controversial in the bigfoot community right now. Uh, There's some people that believe he's got legit stuff and there's some people that thinks he just fakes it. But uh, he came up with some videos and some pictures of supposed Bigfoot. And he was actually uh, filed a lawsuit against um, the Canadian government um, saying that they need to recognize it as a species uh, because they're out there. But he also got involved with a lawsuit with this lady. And I believe she was out in California and she was suing the state uh, or the the, uh, state uh, Park department I believe um, she's claimed that she had a sighting they recorded it and that uh, they need to recognize these things are real because it's a danger to the public well anyways I, I actually ran into the, the lady that had that suit out in California and she was started pulling up pictures we we're talking about Bigfoot and stuff and she's showing me these pictures and she's claiming there's stuff in there but I'm seeing nothing and in my head I'm like her family believes they're seeing something there's they're saying there's shapes there's something there so I'm like is it just her is she just able to see these things and maybe other people can't uh there's got to be some way to it why would you put yourself in a situation uh where you're going to get ridiculed about um about you know going after the government about these things
0: mm-hmm. but they could see you in the picture and you couldn't
1: she, she kept pointing out pictures on her phone saying, "Hey, I, you know this is where I see it. I see it So often she goes, I'll look out my window and it'll be there. And she'll pull out a picture and she was trying to show me. And I just I, I couldn't make out what she was saying. And you know for me, I have to have you know, I like to be skeptic as much as I can. Like I, I believe Bigfoot's out there. I think it's a real thing. I think people see it, but I don't know what it is and I don't know what people are seeing.
0: Yeah, see and I think, like in that situation, yeah, you you I would have to be careful because uh, I think people do. it. it's called like matrixing, yeah, where they, you know, the mind automatically creates something out of yep. random stuff just to try to make
1: sense of it. That could be a possibility, definitely, definitely. But you know, I, I think that there's uh, there's a lot, ton of eyewitnesses, and I, I um, there's the problem with. Bigfoot sometimes too is the Bigfoot community, and they like to tear each other apart sometimes, and it stinks because I feel like if people work together, maybe you'll get some answers on some of these things. And I think we're really close; we're getting so close to getting answers to this stuff. But yeah, yeah. I definitely believe that
0: there is something that we have not discovered. Um, there, there's the legend has been around way too long. It's all around the world. We got. All sorts of, we have, I mean, there's the Patterson footage, which is probably so far, I still think the
1: best evidence that we have. Bob Gimlin is just, he is a awesome human being. Um, if any of your viewers get a chance, uh, he has a website and there's a, uh, a documentary uh, they they made about him and just his life story and then everything leading up to that shooting of that footage, um, which I... I agree with you, Gary, 100%. I think this footage is the real deal. There's absolutely, I know, it, nearly impossible for them to fake it. There's too many things that just make sense or line up where, it, like I said, it almost seems virtually impossible for them to fake it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, so, so for me, like, there's just too much evidence. And, you know, like that picture that we were just talking about that you had posted on Facebook, that thermal picture. Um, yeah. You know, and, and just for me, just to be like, you know, a couple of days ago, talking to a guy who was using that exact same thermal camera and caught the same thing in the same area. Oh, wow. I, I mean, yeah. there's no way that's a coincidence.
1: No. And just so that your viewers know, the, the thermal that he's talking about is a uh, – uh, thermal video that was taken by Stacy Brown Sr. and his son Stacy Brown Jr. Uh, right now, there's a documentary on uh, uh, Amazon Prime, sorry, uh, called "The Skunk Ape Lives," um, and uh, that footage was actually on a season of Finding Bigfoot too. It's you, kind of hard to see, but you'll see a Bigfoot figure step out and then step behind the trees and then disappear. And the story around it makes it seem to me pretty legitimate. Uh, the father, I mean, he got scared and he just hightailed it out of there. And yeah. They left and he wouldn't come back after seeing that. Um, and when they did the uh, episode on finding Bigfoot, the thing in the thermal just was twice the size as Bobo. It was huge.
0: Right. I know like, um, they got, uh, his name was, um, Robert Robinson. Who I was talking to the other day. Um, he said he's, you know, he's going back out there this fall in that same area to continue looking. Wow. So, actually, I was even thinking since I don't live, I live about eight hours from there. Uh-huh. So, I could drive down there, spend a couple of days camping.
1: Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Just be careful.
0: <laughs> you, don't end
1: up in the, you don't want <laughs> to end up in those missing 401 stories. <laughs> you know what, though? I couldn't think of a better way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least there'll be a
0: story behind it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how many people could say, yeah, Gary. Remember Gary, the guy who you think got taken away by Bigfoot?
1: <laughs> you, you'll you be in one of those books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I, that'd man. be
1: cool. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, for me, I'm, you probably have the same feeling. I, I'm not out to prove this thing's real. I don't care if people believe uh in it or not i i just want to experience it i've gone out a couple times you know looking for uh tracks and trees uh branches broken all that jazz um and like you know if i ever see one my objective wouldn't be oh let me catch this thing on camera i just want to experience it so that i know in my head like okay yeah people are definitely out here seeing this thing
0: yeah like where i'm from originally which is new jersey there wasn't much places to for you know for a Bigfoot. Um, but where I live now in Alabama, there's tons and tons of wilderness. And I haven't gone out down here, but I've talked to people that hunt. And some of the people that hunt that I've talked to say that you have a better chance of seeing a Bigfoot than finding a deer.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there must be a pretty good population here.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And you know it's funny cuz I I'm in uh, Virginia. I would never think that there's a a Bigfoot in Virginia. And I'm actually in talks right now with uh, Daniel uh Benoit and he runs the um East Coast Bigfoot um research organization. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm in talks with him we're considering uh making a documentary about him and his research and he's on you know West Virginia uh and Virginia and he has all kinds of sightings, and he'll you know, he post videos and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it's, I would never imagine that they would be in Virginia, but they are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: if they are in New Jersey, they would have to be the Pine Barrens. But yes. Even, but even the Pine Barrens are not as dense as they used to be. I mean, a lot of right. it's been built up, and what hasn't been built up has been wiped out by fire, forest fires. Right. So there's not much... Um I can't think of the word now. Just there's no environment Coverage. for them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're they
0: there. So they would probably have to if they were were or, I mean if there were big fish there, they would have had to have gone somewhere else.
1: Yeah. And you know, I also think that uh, if they're out there that our government definitely knows and that's why I think there's something weird about them I think they get kind of covered up a little bit um, my initial thought was like yeah if they're human you know what kind of rights does this thing have so that's why you kind of cover it up and maybe like they've been taking them out quietly and they didn't want people to find out about that but uh yeah I just I just I find it I find it odd that uh our government wouldn't know you know yeah our our government definitely
0: knows they have to know. Just like they, they just like the, the whole UFO thing. Like they're finally just starting to admit, like yeah, <laughs> you know. But but I'm sure they know more than what they admit, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact,
0: that's what kind of got me into all this stuff was a long time ago. I was working at Bell Labs. This was, I think, in 1999, mm-hmm. and I was outside back then. I smoked cigarettes, and I was outside smoking. And some guy, I was talking to some scientists there. He was the guy who was working on developing fiber optics. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was telling me that, you know, they, they got the technology for fiber optics and for, for silicone chips and all that from a flying saucer that they had recovered and reverse engineered it. You know, these yeah. parts that they were able to reverse engineer. Right. You know, and, and I didn't think twice. I thought he was crazy. You know, and then like later on, I guess maybe a year or two later, you know, um, I started reading about Bob Lazar
1: mm-hmm. and I was like,
0: damn, maybe that guy was telling me the truth.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so yeah. they know shit.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, I find the Bob Lazar story yeah, incredibly, uh, I I think it's true. It's, it, it's an incredible story and, and he just seems so like not full of shit, you know, and, yeah. and I feel like they try to cover his tracks a couple times, and they they didn't do a good job of it. And I just, I just, it's such a, it's a weird thing. It's kind of unsettling a little bit. It,
0: it will, did you have you seen the documentary with uh, Jeremy Corbell that he did? And while Wait. he was filming it, he got raided
1: by the FBI. Yep. I, yep. I mean, that's not a coincidence. No, he he admitted to having some of that uh, element, and I yeah. think uh, one fifteen. Yep, and I think the FBI raided him to see if he was bluffing or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like if he had it, he was going to hide it in his house.
1: Yeah, well, you, you'd be surprised sometimes, I suppose. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> or or that's just intimidation, just to yeah. let him know that he's still being monitored. That's what I think it was. But, you know, th- th- if that's the case, they're, that's incredibly dumb on their part because, I mean, look what you just did. You just draw attention to yourself by doing that and adding more credibility to his story.
0: Yeah. And even element 115, like it's on a periodic table now. Yeah. They just haven't found the way to stabilize it yet.
1: Right. Right. And well, I was hearing that uh, that element that uh, is on the periodic table now uh, is not the same element that he was dealing with. Because when when the element gets uh, invented or discovered, they just give it the number that, you know, next in line. Right. So, uh, that 115 might even be the 115 that he's referencing
0: right however in, in a documentary he does say it's the same thing that we just haven't figured oh. out how to how to stabilize it
1: I, okay I was under the impression he said it wasn't the same thing yeah so he says I, it wasn't, I
0: yeah I, the way I understood it was he was saying it was the same but we just haven't we're not advanced enough to make it into a solid where we could use it yet like we're right. only able to bring that element 115 into existence like a split second or not even right. a nanosecond and then it's so unstable that it just explodes
1: yeah and, and you know um it, you know yeah i mean that's it's it's kind of just crazy i just really think that uh, how all this stuff kind of like exploded after world war ii you know uh, all the technology and everything and uh, uh and i'm still struggling on the concept of what are aliens because i feel like when we started shooting off nukes, we got the attention of, uh, you know, if they're up in space or if they're interdimensional. dimensional, okay. Humans got hold of something they ain't supposed to have. Let's, let's uh, kind of intervene here. It could be that, um, or it could also be,
0: you know, maybe their motives are not good and they just want to know what weapons we have that we could use against them.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope not. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we—that's the thing—we don't know, and I, and I think for me, I—I I believe that if, if, if with us, with, as humans, you know, we're kind of limited in what we're able to think and comprehend. Uh, and I'm guessing that if we're able to think it and comprehend it, chances are
1: it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you ever heard of a Topa? Mm, No. So this is, uh, one of the theories about, you know, Bigfoots or UFOs or other phenomena that if enough people put enough energy into a thought that you can actually create it into being. So, uh, if, you know, if enough people think Bigfoot's a thing, you can actually bring it into existing. Oh, or into yeah. existence. Uh yeah, that's what that's what the the premise behind it, the, like a the thought form from. type of idea. Mhm. Oh yeah. And um yeah, I, I think our our minds are more uh more incredible than what what we know. Like uh the 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 guest that you had on uh, one of your uh, episodes was talking about the minute stare at goats. I mean, that was a real thing. That was a real project. They were really tapping into the mind and seeing how much psychic capabilities we really do have, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they definitely have researched it. And you mentioned, like, how it all came out of World War II, you know, Mm -hmm. because the Nazis, man, they were so hung up on trying to come up with, like, these ultimate weapons and trying to weaponize everything that they could possibly think of. You know, I mean, Hitler... Seems to have believed a lot into just of the supernatural.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that, that makes me wonder, like, what were they tapping into, or you know, how much they know. I mean, they say our our government and everything, their technology is twenty years ahead of us. So, you know, what information they have that that we're not seeing? Yeah, and we gained so much from that, like von Braun. Mm-hmm. I I mean, if it wasn't for
0: him, we wouldn't have gone to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, I mean, and he worked for the Nazis. I mean, he says, yeah, you know, I guess it was against his will, but he did, you know, until yeah. he came here. Yeah. And I think so. So we kind of got a lot from their scientists by bringing them over
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of the uh, Montauk project? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love okay. that one. Okay. Yeah. That, that right there, it's like makes me think, like, that's what was going on with the World War II stuff, and I think that started with uh, Hitler and looking into that stuff, and then opening up portals or whatever to other dimensions and bringing this stuff in.
0: Yeah, because it seems like from like the book that books that I've read, like the Montauk experiment and the Philadelphia experiment, were sort of intertwined.
1: Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me now i never yeah. put those two together until you just said that.
0: Yeah. There, there's a guy out there that says that he survived the Philadelphia experiment and he connects it to the Montauk experiment. Um, so Interesting. He, he connects the two. Um, I'm sure if you Google it, you'll, you'll find information okay. on him. You know, it was something that I was, was reading about, I guess in the late nineties,
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: And I think like one of the things that made me curious too is both those experiments originated from this place called the Institute of Advanced Study, which is in in Princeton, which is my hometown. (laughs) You know, and it's kind of funny because my mom actually worked for Einstein splitting atoms at Princeton University. So that's kind of what sparked some of my interest in that, that area of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, it's, the stories are sad um the stuff they did to those kids is extremely it's upsetting Yeah. Um, and you know i don't put it past our government to do something like that um you know even if the people that were involved have regrets it's it's still like it seemed like it happened you know
0: yeah and like like the whole mk ultra thing i believe that's still going on in some forms it's probably just not called mk call uh, yeah ultra anymore yeah, they're just doing it under some other black project. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they're still doing that type of research and weaponizing, you know, consciousness
1: essentially. Oh yeah, and I'll tell you the thing they look at is a uh, you're familiar with Bigelow and the Skinwalker Ranch. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Bigelow has his own satellites up in space, right? Yes, and. Uh, under his contract, he's right now, he's the only person in the United States that I'm, I'm aware of. I don't know about other countries' laws, but he's the only person in the United States that can have weapons up in space.
0: That's crazy. And, and he doesn't even, I mean, he definitely has to be working for the government. Oh, he has contracts with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess because maybe the government doesn't want it under their umbrella.
1: Yeah, well, that and like, yeah, I feel like uh, private parties can do more than what you could do underneath the government. You probably have to go through more chains of uh, command, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, uh, a private uh, vendor or a private uh, sector can do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's why they've stopped like with the space shuttles and stuff like that
0: and have privatized it into like SpaceX and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And, I, and like I said, I, I don't know what's out there as far as uh, out there for us in space. Um, I really feel like uh, this, the ships that we see or the things that we see, the UFOs, I feel like it's more of an of, uh, interdimensional thing is what I'm really buying into now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not coming from another planet. It's actually just here. And it's, it's a capable of going in between its reality and our reality. Right.
0: Or, you know, I just before you I was talking to a friend of mine um Jared Murphy and he has a book out called um it's not aliens it's worse it's us and yep. um you know he believes that that you know humans have existed for like maybe I don't know like the last half um you know 250,000 years and became advanced and then somehow something happened and you know, there's just a, a small surviving group of them that still exist. And that's what we're mistaking as aliens are these previous remnants of an advanced society that existed before they got wiped out.
1: Yeah, but see my my I'm trying to poke holes here. <laughs> my, my my thing would be wouldn't there be evidence of that, like traceability of that? Uh, if they're that far advanced, you know, there'd be history there, behind there, it.
0: There is evidence, though, that mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely have human history timeline wrong, according to Darwinism. Mm-hmm. Humans have been around much longer than what they have, because we we found evidence of them, of us anyway, dating back, you know, I think as far as like one hundred and fifty thousand years. And that's right. scientific evidence. Right. Um, and, and if we've been on this planet for one hundred and fifty thousand years, at some point we had to reach some um you know some higher advanced stages than what we're currently at now with the current model, which I guess is like that thirty thousand years.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's the timeline that really makes sense to me yeah and you know, but my thing is the you know um the carbon dating and how accurate can that be you know is it correct is it a hundred and thirty you know thousand years um, yeah I'm not sure how you can test something against something is my my right uh, yeah, my thought process on that
0: yeah I just think when I look at Darwinism and evolution, mm-hmm. I just think there's holes in it.
1: Oh, yeah. You
0: know, I, I, oh, yeah. I think there's some unexplained.
1: Um, yeah, it's definitely odd. Um, and, like, you know, you would think that if everything was involving, that it would probably involve in similar, like, we'd all probably age the similar, or, you know, there'd be a lot of similarities between us and other lineages of animals. Yes. Um, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, uh, people don't realize it. Like, whales, they live. Almost forever, you know. <laughs> they, you know, uh, they have uh, photos from like uh, back in Civil War times where you had pictures of whales that are still alive today. <laughs> yeah, which is just—it's incredible. So it's like, uh, you know, how why are they living longer than us? You know, uh, I just—I just find that incredible.
0: Yeah, and I also find um, it different too. Is um, you know the ocean. You know why? Why wouldn't oceans, oceanic species evolve in advance, just like we have, right? Or, or maybe they have, and we haven't realized it. That's like the aquatic ape type of theory.
1: Well, it's just weird because the closest things, things to us, are not even anywhere near us. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like the smallest, you know, animal out in the ocean would. Um, some sort of whale or a dolphin and you know they have nothing like our society does
0: no or same with octopus too are Mm -hmm. really smart yeah they are they They use tools yeah yeah so you know you would think those other species would have evolved into societies like we have if Mm -hmm. Darwinism was the you know the accepted the, as the accepted theory.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree with you. So we
0: had to have come from something else, whether it was genetic modification from an alien species, or our timeline started way earlier than we think
1: it was. But something happened. Yeah, the, the way the church defines evolution is like the, they believe in what they call micro evolution. So there's micro and macro. Macro is basically, you know, we were apes and then we became humans, mm-hmm. uh, which I think that's there's holes in that. But in microevolution, we can prove that, and um, they do it with bacteria. You can have uh, bacteria growing on uh, uh, certain uh, substrates, and then uh, it, it only grows on that substrate. And then after a while, you switch to a different substrate, and most of that bacteria will die, but some of them. Or survive and the next thing you know that culture of bacteria can survive on a different substrate than you initially began with so that's microevolution uh, so those little differences that you see over time uh, like for now I people are probably getting taller and taller and taller as you know uh, we progress but it's probably gonna hit a certain limit
2: right
0: yeah like, like I do like like we do evolve obviously as a species but for us to be where we are now, and for others, all the other species to be so far behind, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree with you totally. The the gap is just too much of a gap, right? Um, and some people say that gap, you know, the the in between is Bigfoot.
1: It, I have a hard time believing that one, it's just because of how big he is. You know, I I don't know. I would feel like if it was. Uh, I don't know, like, um, if we're gonna go that route, I think it'd be more similar to Gigantopithecus, would make it more ape than it would be human. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if it's the, the missing link.
0: I don't know either, I have no idea. I mean, I hope we find out, I'd love to find out the answers to these questions in my lifetime.
1: So, you know, this is interesting too the existence of gigantic pithecus is based off of a couple teeth and a jawbone that's it that's it that's the only evidence they have that this thing exists and based off that jawbone and uh, teeth they said it's upright walking primate yes which you know I feel like then you're missing one small bone or connection to say Bigfoot exists
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's I mean, I think they've even found more evidence with those Hobbit people than they have with Gigantipithecus. Japan, oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. I think they have um, full skeletons almost. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't they also. Awesome? I'm sorry. I saw recently they discovered another uh, uh, type of human. Or Is that, that the one in Peru? It might be.
0: With the elongated skulls. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about that earlier with someone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, So so there was obviously more humans, too, and more species than we thought.
1: And and can you imagine how much they have, like, uh, these people collecting the bones and stuff that we just don't know about? And maybe they don't know or don't understand yet. There could be a Bigfoot skeleton in our possession right now, uh, and they just don't know what it is, and, you know.
0: Or they're hiding it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a lot
0: of, like, there's that whole s- story about them hiding um, giants, you know, giant mm-hmm. humans. Yeah. And you say that that the Smithsonian just, you know, stuffs, those, uh, stuffs them away.
1: Yeah. And it could be, you know, just giving them the benefit of the doubt, just kind of waiting for, to be able to explain these, you know, not so much keeping it from the public, but like, okay, what is this kind of thing?
0: So you think they just wouldn't release it because they don't know what it is? I mean, that's kind of, it, it seems unfair in a way, because if they release it, then more people would look into and research
1: and try to find yeah. out the
0: answer to what it is.
1: Well, I think it's like just having something and, and not knowing entirely what you're sure what it is. Cause I mean, they, they found like, uh, abnormalities before and you know, you can't count that towards something until you absolutely know what it is. Does that make sense? Like, uh, uh, there was a practice where they were actually would squeeze the heads of babies, so it caused kind of that long head, uh, elongated head with some people, right? Which is right. a practice that happened. Now, if you found that, is that a new species of human, or was this just caused by something that was done to this person?
0: Right, but yeah. with those skulls in Peru,
1: though, they say that the
0: um, what the connection. Of the skull to the spine is different than what it would be in a human species so it's completely different than those elongated skulls where we purposely did it
1: yeah which would make sense that the spine would be different kind of hold it up
2: yes Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so so there's just different species Um,
0: so I know we've kind of gotten away from photography
1: your movie <laughs> no we're this is awesome I, we, look we're going this is what uh this is what it's all about you know yeah
0: but it's, it's just interesting um i was trying to there was something else i was trying to think of and now i completely forgot what i was going to say oh <laughs> i don't know i was gonna look something up and i forgot what it was
1: on this topic um, and besides, you know, the name of the podcast is Everything Imaginable. So you got to cover everything, right?
0: Oh, everything <laughs> that I can think of, which is not
1: everything, I'm sure, because
0: I'm not that Definitely. smart. <laughs> Definitely. Because I'm sure there's a lot more stuff out there that I can't conceive of. Definitely. Definitely. And, and that's why I like having guests, because I learned something new from almost every guest I have.
1: That's Awesome. Good. You know. Good. I mean, once well, in a while, once in a while,
0: I get a dead people But
1: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> uh, I saw you had some feud going on with a, another uh, guest member or host that you had on uh, your podcast recently. Oh yeah, yeah. Greg
0: Bornstein. Oh yeah, we he had me on his podcast and it, he just kind of drilled me for like an hour. Uh oh! so as revenge I invited him to come on my podcast and he came on you had those
1: questions ready you had your guns no no I had
0: no I had one question one thing for him
1: to do right he comes on and
0: he was expecting he was totally prepared for me to drill in right and he's like well are you going to drill me are you going to drill me and I said no man and I got I got one thing but first you know talk about you know your acting and all that stuff and he did and I said well what I want you to do is I want you to my, my only one question is for you to read this monologue from Hamlet and it's like Horatio giving directions for like 20 minutes <laughs> on how to get somewhere. Right. And, and he's like, all right, all right like, I, I, I hate doing this kind of stuff, but I'll do it. And he gets right. halfway through it and I disconnect our Zoom.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, I, that's so and, funny. And, and,
0: and I told him that my power went out <laughs> and he has uh, to start over again. And I oh, do no. it like three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, no. and then we just go on with the normal podcast in fact me and him are starting a podcast together
1: awesome you know,
0: well, we're just kind of comical together
1: yeah yeah well let, let me know and I'll check it out yeah it's going to be called yeah. Mind Pop awesome you hear that uh, listeners Mind Pop
0: yes it's going to actually okay. it's going to be Bea, him and possibly somebody from Australia her name is Angie
1: Byers okay so it's going to be awesome. interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Gary, I do have a question for you. And, you know, uh, for any anyone listening, too, uh, feel free to, to, to contact me. But my, my plan is if uh, this movie, Bigfoot, Path of the Beast, does well, I, I would like to make more movies about, you know, cryptids, right? Like I said, it's going to be narrative, uh, fictional films, but I want to cover all the cryptids. So if, if you... What movie would you like to see, what cryptid would you like to see in a feature-length film? And, you know, what kind of genre would you want it to be in?
0: Mm. You know, I don't know if it counts as a cryptid, but one of the things that kind of um, gets me is, like, have you ever seen those videos of stick people?
1: Is it uh, the little white things that we're moving all weird-like? Yeah. Yeah, I forget. There's another name for them. I can't remember what what they call them. Mutt walkers or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably – I would, probably, the, I would go park. with something.
0: Those things bother me.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're so weird. They're so, so
0: weird. So, yeah. that I I don't know if that counts as cryptid, <laughs> but uh, definitely that. And I think if I was going to go with like an everyday type of cryptid, mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, there's, there's always the Skinwalker. I don't know if that counts as a cryptid either. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones. Uh, people ask about that all the time. I'm, I'm not sure about that guy. And, and then there's always, you know, a go-to, which is like Chupacabra. Yeah. The Goat Sucker. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I think that was, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably some type of dog or wolf that we haven't discovered yet or just like, you know, since dogs and wolves are able to breed and mm-hmm. even coyotes are able to breed with certain things. Yeah. But, I, you know, you could just throw like a supernatural spin on the chupacabra.
1: Definitely. I, I like the whole alien in, uh, concept of that thing opposed to the it just being a, a dog with mange kind of looking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the stick people bother me. I think there's something creepy about those
1: things. It's so weird. I, I don't know. That's one of the weirdest things. And people I've I've fill ever seen. them
0: like with their like doorbell cameras and shit like yeah. that, you know.
1: I, I think that video was taken in a national park somewhere. It might have been out of Yosemite. Um, yeah. yeah, the, the footage that's well known. Yeah, it's like two of them just walking. Yeah, and and it's just
0: hard to discredit too.
1: Yeah, yeah. They um they looked into it. They you know it's the only thing that I think somebody who said it could have possibly be is a puppet, but it looks because the way it moves. But they're saying it it the movement is indicating that there's weight every time it steps. So like they're legitimate things. Yeah. Just what the hell are they? Nobody knows.
0: <laughs> and, and something like like because it's small. Uh-huh. And just the shape of it, it would be so easy for it just to blend into nature and yeah. to stay undiscovered.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have an answer on that one. I couldn't tell you what the heck that thing is. Yeah. So
0: I, I think that would be a good one. Yeah. You know, it, it's not super well known, it's weird. There's all sorts of possibilities you could go with.
1: Definitely. You know, yeah. So there's some things I've been toying around with. I, I want to do a Mothman uh, movie mm-hmm. um, in, you know, maybe Mothman versus Dogman or something like that. Um, just cover all the cryptids kind of thing. And I also uh, thought about doing a movie about uh, Leif Erickson and uh, him encountering Bigfoot. Cause there's that story going around where supposedly Leif Erickson, who was a Viking uh, encountered uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, I remember hearing
0: about that one.
2: That would be good too.
0: Yeah, be fun. What do you think about the dog, man? Do you think it's some type of werewolf? Or do you think it's just a
2: big ass dog?
1: <laughs> I don't think it's a big ass dog. I think it's, uh, it's on the same kind of line of whatever Bigfoot is. Um, it's just a uh, different species. That's, that's my interpretation of it. And I, I think it's a little bit more aggressive. The dog man. i mean then uh, bigfoot i would not one thing i would never want to encounter is probably a dog man even from a safe distance
0: are they kind of like where are they most like
1: west virginia and tennessee um i think th- it started with the uh uh bray road the beast of Br- bray road uh in was that? oh man Michigan. michigan right yeah, mm hmm. Uh, there's the series of books written by uh, Lindsay Godfrey, who um, uh, kind of started the stories because, you know, uh, she I think she worked at a newspaper at the time and people were contacting her about her stories, so she started looking into them. And she has a series of books out um, about it. Uh, but yeah, I think it started with The Beast of Bray Road. And then, um, uh, you know, uh, there's the uh, Cliff Condiff, uh, Vic Condiff, I'm sorry. Is it Vic or Cliff? Uh, Vic kind of did the Dogman uh, Radio, uh, and he just has people on all the time um, with their stories. So it's it's kind of weird, you know. But it's, they're always eerie. There's always like there's nothing good about the situation. I forget what it was like. So, <clears throat> I
2: remember
0: watching one show and like the Dog Man like ripped the bumper, and chewed a, like chewed the bumper off of a car. <laughs> oh, that's and I, terrifying and I looking at the car and like you know, it's like all jacked up. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, wow. you know. Wow. That is one angry dog.
1: Yeah. Something not to mess with there.
0: More angry than my dog. <laughs>
1: uh well the dog man's not the type of dog that you uh hey good boy, come here and let me <laughs> Nah. That's the one you don't ask questions, you just get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's kind of like my dog, too. My dog always to chew on my leg.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> He's a piece of work. Oh, man. All right, man.
0: You have anything else you want to plug? and/or you know, Tell my my uh, listeners where to find
1: your stuff again. Sure, Rob. Uh, if you're interested in the Black Eyed Children uh, films, called Black Eyed Children Let Me In. It's uh, I Send people to Amazon. Uh, it's on, um, on most major VOD platforms, but Amazon Prime's the one that most people watch it on. So ch- check it out there. Yeah, I'm going to uh, watch please- it tonight. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I tell people that I just hit play and walk away. That's all you have to do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, if you guys watch it, uh, I appreciate any feedback or stories you want to tell me, please hit me up on Facebook uh, at Bigfoot Path of the Beast. Um, I'm on Instagram you can follow me there Twitter uh, I'm mostly on Facebook and uh, Instagram I share a lot of stuff or content on my uh, Instagram and my uh, Facebook page so if you're really into Bigfoot or content like that uh, follow me for that Um, you know if there's new evidence or new pictures and I see it right away I'm sharing it and just letting people know hey let me know your thoughts so I get a lot of feedback and I appreciate all that.
0: Yeah, I shared something off of your uh, Path of the Beast page today. That Vote awesome. for Bigfoot
1: 2020. Yeah, vote for Bigfoot for President <laughs>
0: 2020.
1: Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I, was, I was, When I shared it, I didn't think a lot of people would uh, like it on my page. And I was like, man, I got a lot of likes. I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just shared that one today. But yeah, definitely. And and you know, um, if people want to share anything with me, I'm I love talking about the subject of Bigfoot. Any any theories, thoughts, anything like that, movie ideals, please send it to me. I'll, we can talk. Um, and then like I I ask people, uh, you know, if, if you want to see more films like this, uh, Bigfoot Path of the Beast is not out yet. I'm I'm working for distribution right now. Um, and then pretty soon I'm releasing DVDs for everyone, um, to purchase. But, uh, if you want to see more content like that, I ask just people to, you know, support it and hopefully I can keep this going because I'm doing everything on my own. I work a regular nine to five and I do this as, uh, you know, and a really, really expensive hobby. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> yeah, well, and, I, and I think that's like one of the things for me too, is I really wanted to support independent yeah. artists and creators in general because, you know, I don't know. I just have a maybe a vendetta <laughs> yeah. against, against large media
1: companies. Well, you know, you'll never get a, uh, you know, another. The, like I said, the Bigfoot movies out now was going to make them out like a monster, you know, and, and a lot of people don't want to see that or it's too fam- friendly family. I'm trying to hit that immediate line. I want to take people's theories and thoughts on it and I want to cover it. Same thing with everything else, you know, Mothman, Dogman. I, like you're not going to see a, a good uh, mainstream Dogman movie, you know. Um, so that, that's my, my thought process there. Uh, the cover it and cover the theories and the thoughts and what people's expectations of are these things. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a Black Eyed Children sequel, um, or just another movie about them kind of deal. Um, you know, a little bit better, better budget. But like I said, these things take money, and this is an expensive hobby. Uh, and it's really, believe it or not, it's hard to make money uh, as an independent filmmaker. Uh, I, yeah. I know,
0: my, like the the previous guy that I interviewed today. I mean, basically, he's just lost money.
1: Oh yeah, he's, I he's bet. Movie, you know? they, a lot do. You have to keep your budget like really small. If you watch the trailer to Bigfoot path of the beast, you would never guess how much I made the film for, but that's because I did everything for the film and it took me like four years to kind of all finish it, you know, designing the costumes, you know, you know, I didn't want to buy a costume online or, uh, you know, you can rent a Bigfoot costumes for like a grand for a week. That's mm-hmm. not something I wanted to do. I wanted something unique, different, and then, um you know, I went into a unique different story, but I wanted to like throw some action in there. We did some really cool things. uh We shot a um, dragon breath uh, shotgun shell. i don't know if anybody or if you're familiar with it uh you no. ever seen that before no oh it's it's in the it trailer there. it's it's like a it's like a flame shooting out of the shotgun and it's actually the first time we see Bigfoot our character uh it, you know, uh, movie magic here. Our character pours some uh, alcohol down the barrel of his shotgun and he shoots off the, sh- the gun. And when he shoots off the gun, it shoots like a flamethrower, which illuminates our Bigfoot first time you get to see him and where he's over there and kind of in the shadows in the woods, hiding and spying on our, our character kind of thing. So it was a really cool shot and I'm super proud of it. Like I said, I think that's the first time anybody's ever shot, uh, that type of uh, shotgun shell on a movie before, um, so that's, it's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, yeah, follow me Bigfoot path of beast. And I'm on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And, uh, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for coming on and, thank um, thank you for having yeah, me. I appreciate it. I'll also email me links to sure. all your stuff so I can put it in the notes. Sure. You know, so I want my listeners to be able to find you and rent your, um, Amazon prime, uh, black eyed children so you can make some more money yeah, so you definitely. can make some more movies definitely and to support independent filmmaking because yeah, it's important because you know these huge ass companies man all they 're making you know and when one there 's just overpaid actors man these these
1: stars just make too much money it's it's tough um, because th- th- you don't make money off your films unless you have a name in your film. Um, And right now the U S market is not the market to make and sell movies. It's the Chinese market. That's where a lot of these bigger budget films are making their money. And um, well, for the actors, you can kind of see it now too. A lot of them are losing their value, especially those, the older action heroes. They'll do more indie stuff because of that. Nick Cage will be in anybody's movie for a million bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody's movie. <laughs> um, and I feel like as time goes on, they're actually being devalued. I mean, now you can uh, almost CGI anybody. So <laughs> you don't even need a character there or a person there to CGI them. So, you know, it's pretty soon where you can do movies without even any actors involved in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which
0: is, which is a good thing, man, because I think this work should come back to being, you know, I mean, I think back to like guys like Roger Corman, you know, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. he would crank out like five movies in a week. Oh yeah. You know, with the same set and the same group of actors.
1: Oh yeah. He, he was a hustler. He was definitely hustling.
0: You know, and, and I just love that kind of stuff where, and he, he relied on, um, you know, more on cinematography, um, mm-hmm. you know actors like vincent price who just were, were awesome and
1: oh yeah oh, and yeah. just uh, the, there's a movie that he did that i, I love and uh probably it's called carnivore or carnivoresaurus it basically uh mm-hmm. he, he rushed it when uh, jurassic park was coming out and uh it was his dinosaur <laughs> it was movie. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah it's funny because uh, they made three more after that and then they made a fourth one But all they did was they got Eric Roberts, uh, who's Julia Roberts' brother, and they took scenes from the first, second, and third one and spliced them in between scenes with Eric Roberts and made a brand new movie (laughs) (laughs) with all the same footage from the other films. It's genius. Yeah. Oh, editing genius. The person that edited it was like just spot on.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's just so cool. He's been around. I, I can't believe he's still alive. He's got to be close to a hundred years old.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And but he's been doing the same thing forever. Um, who else? I mean, I mean, there's Kevin Smith.
1: Yeah. I don't know though. I think maybe he just got lucky with clerks. Well, he he kind of he's kind of fallen out of I think the Hollywood way of things, and I think he's going more indie now, which is yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I, I think he had a bad experience with uh, the cop-out movie. And uh, now he's going more indie style. Back to his roots. His mm-hmm.
0: Clerks was a great movie.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 yeah uh, in the uh, indie film industry, they call it the, the Hollywood ticket. You know, because, like, a lot of these people or filmmakers now think, oh, I can do something like Clerks and I can get myself into Hollywood, where it's not like that, you know yeah so it's a lot it's a lot of hustle to get your stuff out there
0: yeah that's why i you know i think like that rod like if you're gonna make a movie Mm -hmm.
1: try to make two or three at one time (laughs) yeah well it's hard to make one i'm telling you gary yeah
0: i I understand (laughs) but 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 while you're at it you know yeah think ahead you know oh yeah that that way you can save yourself production you know
1: yeah, with definitely. filming
0: as much as you, much footage as you possibly can, thinking all right, well maybe I could use this footage in my next movie or somewhere oh, yeah. down the road. That way, it becomes more cost effective.
1: Oh yeah, it's the thing with me though. Is it's like the money has to be there. So if, if I can't, I don't want to waste time shooting two films if I can't make money off of one film. You know.
0: Yeah, but the footage that you shoot now can make you money. You know. Five, ten years down the road, as long as you keep at it. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was talking to another guy today that made a movie called, um, let Alien, Toxic Alien Babes from Outer Space. Oh boy. <laughs> and he, he's in Australia. Uh huh. And everything was filmed in quarantine. Oh wow. And he just, he, he just, had people film all these different scenes on their iPhones and send him the footage and he's just going to put it all together and make a movie.
1: Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. See, and you know what Gary, to be honest with you, that's not even the hard part. The hard part, like I said, it's making money, making sure that it gets to the audience that you're intended it to, to go to, you know?
0: Yeah. And also like the other guy that I was talking, he was telling me how, like a lot of the distributors are a rip-off.
1: Oh uh, yeah, they they um, they, they uh, you know not to get off subject here, uh, but they what they do is they they have contracts. The the especially with first time filmmakers who don't really understand how these contracts work, they'll freeze up your film for fifteen years and then charge you a bunch of money for quote unquote marketing, which is basically just them just sharing your uh, trailer on their Facebook page. And where your film doesn't make money because you owe them so much money, if that makes sense, awesome. yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah, <laughs> that's you know, um, it's distribution. Like people say, distribution's easy, making money with your film's hard, and that's one hundred percent true. Um, you know, there's uh, if there's any other filmmakers listening to this right now, there's a website called Film Hub where. It's, um, that's the best go-to right now, unless you have a film with a name actor, then there's potential to make money. If you, if you have a, you know, you raised $5 million for your film and you so happen to get Nick Cage, you're going to get a distribution deal. That's good. And you're going to make money off your film. But if you made your film, you know, under $10,000, the best route is to go to film hub and kind of like try to get it up on Tubi or Amazon prime and do it like that.
0: So if any filmmakers are listening, take this guy's advice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, don't, don't, don't get ripped off by signing those crazy contracts and giving yeah. your shit away for 15 years <laughs> yes. and ending up yeah. owing money.
1: Five years or less. That's the, that's the key. Yes. Five years or less.
0: Oh, great. Um, well, thank you for coming on. Yes, sir. And um, you definitely are welcome to come back on again when you make another cryptid movie.
1: Yeah, we had. I, this was fun. We definitely should uh, keep in touch.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool too that we had some uh, common friends too. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. It's starting <laughs> to happen. It's starting to happen to me though more and more as I get more and more but, guests and see that a lot of people that are introduced are sort of all
1: interconnected. You know, like this is a good thing just to like probably leave off on the one thing about the Bigfoot community is it's really easy to meet your, your heroes or the people that are um, the names in this and the, like uh, I, for the film, I was doing some early um, promoting. So I went to uh, in September, the horror hound uh, convention, and I I bought a vendor booth to promote black eyed children and to promote the early release of um, uh, Bigfoot path of the beast my uh, vendor booth was right in front of Bob Giblin and I got to talk to and meet Bob Giblin. And it was an amazing experience. I got to talk to um, uh, Sage Accord uh, uh, the guy from uh Bigfoot expedition, the mm-hmm. TV series that just got shot with uh, uh, the travel channel. So, you know, I don't know. It's really great. If you want to uh, meet these people, you know, Kyle Blackburn, super nice guy. All of them are great
0: that's fantastic mm-hmm. you know they're actually accessible people
1: oh yeah and they're all down to earth and and you know um they're willing to hear your stories and and you know bob bob's awesome everyone i think that meets bob thinks of him like the grandfather figure because he's just such a nice down-to-earth guy he, he's a true cowboy and um, yeah
0: yeah i've seen so many interviews with him it's great
1: yeah yeah if you ever get a chance to, and can make it these conventions open back up, because he's not doing them right now. To uh, get a chance to meet him, you should definitely give it a try.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm probably gonna going to start going to some of these conventions. I was just talking to someone earlier about going to um, contact in a desert in California. Oh, wow. So like, I don't know if I can pull it off financially,
1: but... Oh, no. You know. <laughs> hey, life is short. You got to pull one for the team every now and then. Yeah. Sometimes I, I lose money at these conventions. Sometimes, or I'll make just like fifty bucks. I'll be like, "All right, well, I had fun because I meet so many cool people. And I try to talk to everyone that that I, you know, I I see."
0: Yeah, so I'm probably gonna start doing that circuit when when things get back. Yeah let let me know
1: definitely. Yeah, yeah, I would love to come and do like a bigfoot one with you. Oh yeah, uh, keep in touch. I'll, I'll let you know. The next one I'm going to is uh, CryptoCon in December. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, well, I'm actually supposed to go on a cruise in
0: December. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe not.
0: Because <laughs> I wanted to well, go see the um, the Mayan ruins.
1: Oh, wow. That would be awesome.
0: Oh, was it Chia Chicawan or something like that?
1: Yeah, it's, that's got to be a powerful uh, experience. Yeah.
0: It's pretty cool mm-hmm. out there. And
1: like the good to take, it's actually cheaper to
0: take a cruise there. I bet. From from here in Alabama, to think to do that cruise, it's like
1: 400 bucks. Oh, wow. That's not, that's not expensive at all. No.
0: So there are some cheap ways to travel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gary, enjoy your trip. And I really appreciate you having me on this podcast. Uh, I'm glad we got to cover some of these subjects and yeah, definitely. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you for being on and stay in touch and make sure you just send me some of those links so I can post them in the notes. So my listeners can, uh, you know, check you out and hopefully they'll, uh, watch black eyed children on Amazon prime. Cause I know I'm going to do it tonight. Awesome. Right after I
1: eat dinner. <laughs> awesome.
0: All right. Thank you. Right.
1: Have a great night. You too, Gary. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye bye.
2: Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast live up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. I be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. On Patreon, is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. And oh, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee. The only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.